So, we're going to go ahead and jump into the message this morning. Last week we started a brand new series called Training Plans. A lot of the series is really about um, some of the experiences that I had recently as I was training for a, a long uh, gravel bike race that I participated in in August and, and some of the things that I learned, some of the things that I experienced that, that obviously were a, a more of a physical nature, but also that can translate into our spiritual walk, our spiritual journey that we're on, and really our, our text that we kind of use throughout the series is basically found in 1 Timothy 4.8. In 1 Timothy 4.8, it's going to be up there on the screen, and this is what it says. It says, physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. And so as we kind of go through this together, what we've been kind of looking at, we kind of started this last week, was using some of the experiences, some of the things that I've learned to kind of help us as we walk in a spiritual way. So before we really kind of get into what we're going to be talking about this morning, let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for this morning. We thank you for this time. We thank you for the opportunity to, to come and be together and look at these things that, that you've placed on my heart. And God, I pray that you would just help me as I share these things, that God, that you would help me to communicate clearly. You would help me to communicate in a way that, that is, is where my words really stop and yours really begin. So we love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, to kind of get into what we're talking about this morning, I'm going to kind of give you a little bit of background about me, at least in, in, the, well, in the realm of, of kind of athletics and the things that I participated in when I was younger. I, I mainly did team sports. I played a lot of baseball. I even played some football. I, I didn't play basketball in a, in a kind of league or anything, but I played in the youth group growing up and at youth camp and kids camp and all those sort of things. So most of everything I always played was team sports and so you know when you're playing on a team you're kind of used to that you know you gotta you know you, you could be the the best hitter in the world but if you have a really bad pitcher who can't keep the other team from scoring runs it's not going to do you a lick of good you could be the best quarterback that's ever been but if you have a an offensive line that doesn't basically keep anybody from sacking you it's not going to matter and so i was kind of used to that concept of team sports well here's the thing in this race i thought this was going to be completely different this was going to be something completely different because this was more of an individual thing. I was going to be the one on the bike. No one else was going to be with me. No one could, could basically pat me on the back and say, okay, Aaron, you take a, a rest for the next 30 miles and I'll ride. It was all going to be me. And here's what's funny is as I was planning for this, I could not have been more wrong. I was convinced. I was like, okay, this is, this is just going to be me. And the more I got into it, the more I was training for it, and then the more the actual day of the race took place, I realized that although, yes, I was going to be one on the bike, I was not alone, and I couldn't do it alone. You see, I needed a team. I needed teammates. I needed people in relationship with me who would be willing to say, yeah, I understand this is your race, but I will partner with you to help you accomplish the things that you want to accomplish. Now, obviously, we see that in God, but we also have to see that in each other. You see, here's what's interesting. There were times where I would be getting ready for bed, and, and here's the thing. The last thing I wanted to do in the morning was get up and go for a ride. The last thing I wanted to do was get up early and go down to the basement and get on my trainer and ride. And my wonderful, amazing wife would, would kind of sweetly, lovingly, not in a bad way, but look at me and she'd say, so, 
you get a ride in the morning? And I remember going, mm -hmm, yeah, I'm going to go ride in the morning. Did I want to go ride? No. Was she being pushy? No. She was simply saying and helping me to remember what the goal was, how to accomplish that. I remember being on the actual ride and literally thinking to myself, I've got to finish. Why did I have to finish? It wasn't even really about me. It was that so when I got to the finish line, I could celebrate with an eight-year-old little boy and my wife. They encouraged me even without being there. You see, we were created for relationship. God created us this way. And you have to understand that. As we look at these things, as, best, as we look at the, the message this morning, you need to understand, this is point number one we need to look at. You were created by God for loving relationships. Now here's what I found. I found people and met people who disagree with this statement. Now they may not say it out loud, but they live their life that way. They're convinced that God created maybe everyone else for relationship, but not them. That somehow they are not, they don't need that like everybody else does. That somehow God, when he made everyone, when he put all the DNA in all of us, that somehow that individual got skipped and got missed out. But the bottom line is, you were created for this. You think, like I did maybe, that you are on this race and you, it's, it's not a team sport. It's, it's an individual activity and you're on your own. And God is communicating through the way you were created, through the way he made you and me, that says, no, 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 you don't understand. You weren't made to do this alone. And we have to understand that. So let's go back to the very beginning. Let's go back to Genesis. We're going to look in Genesis 2. We're going to start with verse number 18. We're going to do verse number 25. We're going to see how that we were literally created by God for these types of relationships. So let's look at it. This is what it says. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. We've talked about this before. This is the first not good in the Bible. Everything else God has said it's good, it's good, it's good. And now we see it's not good. What's not good? It's not good for man to be alone alone. So I will make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground all, uh, all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. Now stop here for a second. Did you realize that God, when he first says it's not good, he doesn't necessarily automatically go to Eve? The first thing he makes is animals at this point. He says, listen, it's not good that man's alone. Look, I'm going to make the animals. And so that's what he does. He forms from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would call them, and the man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals, but still there was no helper just right for him. I want to stop there for a second because I want to look at something. Because here's the thing. I was talking earlier about this concept of I was thinking I could do this on my own. I thought I could do something on my, by myself. Listen, how, a lot of people, we live our lives this way. We think that we don't need relationship. We think that we can fill that with other things. Listen, what, what happens here in this scripture is we see God basically say, okay, it's not good that man should be alone. He identifies the problem and he says, okay, well, let's look at this. Let's make some animals. And so he gives animals for Adam to, to name and, and, and to, to, to be around. And then he says, listen, I'm going to give Adam a job. 
I know so many people that think, I don't need these things. I don't need a relationship with God. I have my job. I have this, this, this thing that I'm doing, and it's just not enough. So now let's continue. So basically, let's go back to verse number 20, if we could, Monica. Is it on there? That's okay. There we go. So, so he gave the names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals. But still, and this is what we need to catch, but still there was no helper just right for him. So even after Adam has these other animals, even after he has this job or this, this idea of what he needs to be doing with himself, God still says it's still not right. There still needs to be more. Now let's continue with verse 21. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and he brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed, this is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. Verse number 24. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. Now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. You see, here's the thing. From the very beginning, God has created us for relationships. Now, obviously, relationships with each other, but also relationship with him. We, he brought us to this place. We were created this way. This is not a defect that God looks at and goes, oh man, I, I didn't mean for this to happen. He looks at it and he says, this is important. This is what God created us to do. But here's the issue that I find in my life and so many others. Is if we were created by God for loving relationships, why are we so horrible at them? We're bad at them. And here's what I find is more telling. We're surprised with how bad we are at them. It's like we don't understand. It's like we go, oh my goodness, I, I can't believe that I, I, I married this unbelievable woman and, and, we're, and our, our life is in a fairy tale. Oh, I can't believe that we had children and, 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 and these, these relationships are not perfect. Or I have a friend or whatever it might be. You need to understand something and I want you to really get this. Because as simple as this is, we miss it sometimes. And it's this, the enemy intensely hates loving relationships in every form. When you enter into a relationship, it doesn't matter what type, the enemy intensely hates hates it. He hates it with a burning passion. He doesn't just sit there and go, oh, well, look, isn't that wonderful? Sally and Joe got married. Isn't that great? No, no he burns with rage to destroy it. Why? Because it's a picture of something he hates. You see, relationships and loving relationships are simply nothing more, and that's a weird way to put it, than a picture of the loving, intimate relationship that God has with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So anytime Satan sees a relationship between a husband and wife, anytime he sees children and parents, he is enraged because it reminds him of God the Father. It reminds him of what he had that he lost. Remember who Satan is. He's a former archangel. 
He experienced the closeness that we long for in a lot of ways uh, with God. He, he experienced that, and he's now fallen for it. So when he sees you in me, he hates it. It's interesting, if you look in the story of creation and the fall of man, Satan comes, he brings attack as soon as Adam and Eve are bound in relationship with one another. You ever wonder that? Why didn't Satan just go after Adam? I don't know the, necessarily the answer, but I think that part of it was once he saw that relationship, he was enraged so much, he intensely hates it. He hates marriages. He hates parents and kids. He hates friendship. He hates healthy churches. Hates them. No wonder we are under attack. No wonder the family unit is trying to be destroyed by the enemy. He hates it. We shouldn't be surprised that it, we struggle there because we're in constant battle. Constant battle. But here's the thing. Even though that's the case, you are still designed by God to win in the area of loving relationships. You were designed by God to win here. And you've got to understand that. Because here's the thing. As we look at moving on, I believe God is calling us back to his original divine design of loving relationships. If you look at our culture today and you see all the dysfunction and you see all the division and you see all the relationships that are just breaking down all over the place, I think God is saying, no, no, I want to bring you back to his original design. I want to have marriages come back and be formed again and, and, and made whole. I want relationships between children and parents to be made whole. I want friendships to be made whole. I believe it's God's design to do that. He desires that for you and for me. So how does that look like? What does that, how do we get there? What, 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 what on, the, on, the, on the course, what does that look like? And here's the thing. I believe there's three mile markers on the course to healthy, loving relationships with God and another, and one another. And what I mean is this, is when I was riding on my race, I kind of took it from this. I would have mile markers. They would have signs and they would say, okay, you're at mile 20 or you're now you're at mile 50 or, or here's the, a checkpoint here or whatever. And so as I'm riding, I would know where I was. I also had a little head unit or a little bike computer on my bike and I could look down and I could see how many miles that I've gone, how far I've climbed. Mile markers are good. They help us understand where we are on the journey or in our race. And here's the thing, we were created for these, these relationships, but some of us don't really want to get on the course to really understand how God wants to move us forward in these things. And so I think there's three that we need to focus in on this morning. I think there's more, but I think there's three that God placed on, our heart, on my heart to share with you from, from Genesis that really helps us understand this. And here's the first one. Number one, our desire for loving relationships. Our desire for loving relationships. Look at Genesis 2.18. Look at this with me. This is what it says. Then the Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. Listen, you were created this. This is God's idea. This is God's plan. This is God's desire. The desire that you have in your heart was put there by God for a purpose and a reason. And some of us don't think that's the case. 
I have literally met people who have come to me and said, you know what, I don't believe that God, I, I don't need relationships. I, 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 can, I can just have maybe one relationship and, and that's it. And it's like they're, they're trying to swim against a current. They're trying to basically say, I'm not okay with how God made me. I'm not okay with God's plan for my life. And it just doesn't work like that. We have to understand we were created this way. You have a desire built into you by God for this. And unfortunately, what a lot of people tend to do is they tend to say, you know what, I'm, instead of embracing it, learning how to do better in relationships, we basically put our hands out and try to keep people away. You ever been in a place like that? You've been hurt, something took place, it wasn't good, it wasn't healthy, it was bad. It could be really, really bad. And, in, and we just tend to say, you know what, I'm done. I'm just, I don't want to deal with that anymore. I'm not going to deal with that anymore. There's so many people that I have met. There was, a, there was a lady in a store I was in six months ago, and she was sharing some things with me, and it was the weirdest thing, and it was definitely a God moment. And, and, and we were kind of talking, and I was basically, actually, long story short, I was buying a suit. I needed a new suit for the wedding that I was doing in, in June, and, and we were talking, and, and, and she said, why do, you, why do you need a new suit? Because that was kind of a strange thing in our world for a, a guy to buy a suit now, you know, because everybody's living in sweatpants. So why are you buying a suit? And I said, well, I'm a pastor. I'm, I'm doing a wedding for some, some kids that I was a youth pastor and all this sort of stuff and started sharing. And she just started to share. She just opened her heart. And you know what it really boiled down to? She, she knew she was supposed to be in church. She wanted to be in church. But she basically said in so many words, I have some church hurt for some relationships. And so I just don't want anything to do with it. And I got to share with her, look, I know it hurts. I know there are times where people do things that hurt. But you know what? God created you for relationships. He created you to need others. He created you to come and be a part of these things. Because here's the thing. You need to understand this. Relational love is a product of creation, not an invention of culture. We mess that up sometimes because what we tend to do is we tend to allow the culture to define what a healthy relationship is instead of allowing God, who created it from the very beginning, define what it is. And when we do that, when we allow culture to show us the way in this area, trust me, you will end up in a bad spot, in a broken spot, in a hurtful spot. But God created you for this. And here's the thing, as we looked at these things and as I was putting this together, I was trying to come up with, with questions that, that would pop up into my mind that I could try to answer as we hit this mile marker. And so two or three of these, we'll have them, not the third. But anyway, here, here's the thing that kind of popped into my head as I was looking at this and talking about this. We kind of brought this up, but I want to talk about something specifically in a second. And this the question is this, if, if I was created by God, for loving relationships, then why do I struggle so much with them? We talked about it a little bit earlier. Why, why are we so bad? And I believe there is one area that we truly, really need to hit this morning. And it's this. Most of us are putting divine demands on our human relationships. I, I mean, listen, I, I believe all this is good and, and, and important to hear. But if I could just say one thing I would want you to get this morning, this is it. We tend to put divine demands on our human relationships. What do I mean by that? It's simply this. We are asking people to do what only God can do in our lives. 
Hear me here. There are certain things that only God can speak over you. No human being can do it. And unfortunately, what we tend to do is we tend to look at our spouse. Oh, I've seen this over and over again as a youth pastor. Uh, people look at their kids or, or, or relationships or unhealthy things or whatever it might be. And they tend to go to those things and demand that they do what they were never created to do. When we, when we do, when Emily and I do premarital counseling, one of the things we always talk about is this concept of, look, listen, this wife, this husband, as wonderful as they may be, they do not complete you. They were never created to do that. Only God can do that. Only God. Listen, if, if something happened, heaven forbid, and, and, and Emily was, went to be with Jesus or, you know, whatever, you know, I would be devastated but I'd be okay. You say, oh, Aaron, that's not a very nice thing to say. No, it's identifying the fact that God is my source, not my wife. If this will help you, God is my cake, <laughs> Emily's my icing. You get it? But unfortunately, so many of us, we don't do that. We don't live that way. We don't experience life that way. And because we're asking people to do things that they were never created to do in our relationships, we're unfulfilled in them. We get frustrated with them. You're not meeting my needs. You're not doing this or doing that. And a lot of times the problem is, is we're asking them to do things they were never created to do. A lot of you know this. I was a youth pastor for 15 years. And I was also a teenager for... Uh, some of the, I, not, not during that time, but I've, 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 I've experienced teenage life a long time. Longer than most people. I'm not going to do math because I'm horrible at it, but I was, I was a teenager for a while and I was dealing with teenagers a long time and I learned something very interesting. I, I experienced it at times, I saw it in my own life growing up, and then I saw it over and over and over again. Here's what I'd see, you ready? A young man would walk into my office. Aaron, can I speak to you? Yeah, yeah, come on in. What's going on? You know, Aaron, I'm having a really hard time. Okay, well, what's going on? Having a hard time with relationships. Well, what do you mean? He goes, well, Aaron, am I a nice guy? Well, sure. Am I, am I, am I sweet? Yeah. And he, they would ask something like this. Why is it, and you're going to know where I'm going here, why is it that the jerk always gets the girl? You ever thought about that? Why is it the jerkiest guys always seem to have the girl on their arm? And, yet, and then you'd have the, the nice guy. The guy, oh, boy, if that girl just liked me, I would do this. I'd bring her flowers every day. I'd serenade her a song. I mean, all this sort of stuff. And it was like always like, why is it? And they would just keep going back and back and back. And I started thinking about that over the years. I was like, why is that? And I learned something. I, I literally call it the jerk nice guy principle. You ready? I should write a book. It'd be really short. Wouldn't sell well, but I could do it. The guy, the jerk, nice guy principle. Here's what I found. Here's what usually, and I know I'm going to paint with a broad brush here, but follow me. You know what I found with a lot of the jerks? They had fulfillment in themselves. Now, usually they were full of themselves, but they were completely cool with who they were. Completely cool with it. And here's the thing. A lot of times it was something like this. And no girl would come up and, oh, he's so this and he's so that. And his attitude was typically this. Listen. I am cool. I do not need you. Now, if you want to come for the ride, you're welcome to come. I don't know how long I'll keep you around, but as long as you want to come, yeah, that's cool. That's fine. And then you had the other young man 
who was typically the sweet guy, the nice guy, and he would typically go about it in this way. Hey, listen, I'm not really happy, and you're not really happy, and I'm not fulfilled, and you're not really fulfilled, but maybe if we got together, we could be fulfilled together. Can I, can I, I just said I'm not good at math, but here's, here's the principle, okay? Unfulfillment plus unfulfillment never equals fulfillment. Fulfillment plus fulfillment equals more fulfillment. Here's the thing. Unfulfillment is very unattractive. Unfulfillment is not who you were created to be. You know when you're at the best it's when you are doing and acting and living the way God created you to be. Not the way God created me to be, but the way God created you to be. Spiritually speaking, what we tend to do, or physically, and then moving into a spiritual speaking, is we, we are unfulfilled because we are looking for fulfillment in other places and in other things besides God. So we tend to go find another human being who is also unfulfilled, and say, come on, maybe, maybe if you and I get together, then we'll be fulfilled. It just doesn't work that way. How does it work, Aaron? It's simple. We get fulfillment from where we're supposed to, which is God our Father. I just said it. There are some things that only God can speak over you. No human being can. And when you have that fulfillment, and you are living that type of life, and you find someone who is also fulfilled in God and living that type of life, that is where that relationship can flourish like you have never seen before. Some of you sit there, why is my relationship here not working? It's simple. It's simple. It's because you are not fulfilled in God and you're asking others to do what they were never created to do. It's a principle. And yeah, I get it. The nice guy, jerk principle, it doesn't sound really good, but it has some truth to it when we apply it spiritually speaking. So we need to understand very simply, we have a desire for this that God placed us in our heart. The next thing, the next road map or the, the mile marker, we need to understand our dealings with abandonment and insecurity. Okay, once we understand, hey, we were created, this is why God, now we're going to have to hit another mile marker. And trust me, this one is not an easy one. If there was in the race, this was the hills. These were the 14 degree, three, four mile tracks that we had to do. But we have to deal with this if we're going to understand. So let's look at it together. Genesis 3. We're going to look at Genesis 3, 12, and then we'll jump to 23. This is what it says. It says, the man replied, after the sin has come and fall has come, listen to what happens. God says to Adam, what have you done? What, what, have you eaten the fruit? And this is what he says. The man replied, it was this woman you gave me who gave me the fruit and I ate it. First sin, what happens? This person did it. Basically, what's Adam doing? He's basically saying, hey, listen, I don't know who this woman is. I don't, I... Now listen, we all know Adam is just as guilty, if not more so, if that makes sense, than Eve. What's the first thing? He abandons her. He says, you're on your own. This was this, this, you, you, you ever seen that happen? You know, it's like, who did it? And everybody just separates from the person, you know? That's what he gets. He says, listen, it, it, that, that's, that's it. That's, this is her. Now let's look at verse 23. After all this, this has all come on. So, so the Lord God banishes them from the Garden of Eden. And he sent Adam out to cultivate the ground from which he had been made. Here's the other thing. We also sometimes feel abandoned from God. 
we feel that abandonment. Now, has God abandoned us? No. No. But, but listen, that relationship in this instance was very different than what it was before. And so we start with this idea of abandonment. But there's more than that. There's more that we have to deal with. It's not just abandonment. We need to look at insecurity. Look at Genesis 2.25, and then we'll look at verses one, or verse 3.7. This is what it says. We're going to start from where it was to where, then where it went. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Okay? Now, I want you to stop here before we move to, to 3.7. And I want us to, to, to really understand what in this little scripture God is trying to communicate to us. Because a lot of times we kind of, you know, we see, okay, they don't feel any shame. But let's stop. Can you imagine a life where you have never, ever experienced shame? That you have never felt insecure? Like, like it, it is not even a concept in your mind. Like, here's the thing. If I grabbed pretty much any of you and said, hey, listen, uh, my throat's hurting. You need to finish the message. I get all the notes are here. You know what would immediately rush in for a lot of you? Insecurity. I can't do that. I can't speak. I, 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 don't, I don't. We see it over and over. Adam and Eve never, ever, ever experienced that. That is the world they are in. They are in such a place that basically they're naked and they don't even understand or see it. I was studying this, and I, I kind of got some different views as far as, but, but I, I kind of, not that I don't disagree, not that I don't agree with this, but how people saw this scripture, and one theologian was literally basically saying, this was not ignorance, like we understand ignorance. Like we, we think, oh, they just didn't know. It was like he was saying, it was almost like they were totally incapable of knowing. This is the life that they experienced, okay? Now, let's go on in Genesis 3, because we see something different. In Genesis 3, 7, they've had the fruit. Then the eyes of both of them were opened. And I use this on purpose, this, this translation, it's NIV. And they realized they were naked. They realized it. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Listen, I want you to stop and think about this. They must have been absolutely terrified. Scared out of their minds. We don't think about that, do we? We just, okay, well, now they realize they were naked. Oh, you know, and, 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 I, mean, I don't know about you. I've kind of heard pastors and people kind of joke about it. You know, they kind of, oh, no, I'm naked. This was, they, they never known fear, guys. They'd never known sin. They'd never known shame. And all of a sudden, you want to talk about getting hit by a Mack truck. Wham! And I mean, that insecurity just, whoa! And it, I guarantee it scared them half to death. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what they went through? It all came. And a lot of times... Our relationships, because of sin and because of, of doing things that we shouldn't, we have all these things come in. Now listen, we understand shame, we understand insecurity, we, we, we've all understood that. So, so it wasn't as bad, quote-unquote, as when Adam and Eve experienced it. But you know what? We still allow this abandonment, we still allow this shame and this fear and this insecurity 
to keep us from the loving relationships that God has created us for. Really, look at it this way. It's in your notes. In these scriptures, we are reading about when shame, abandonment, insecurity, and fear enter their world. And listen, they come in the form of relational destruction. And the enemy's plans haven't changed, folks. They come in relational destruction. They come in a way that just destroys them. And listen, I'm, I'm the type of person, like, I'm not, I'm not going, hey, let's just ignore this. I want to look at this, and I want to help us with this. Because no matter who we are, no matter what type of relationships we've had, we all deal with these same things. We all deal with the shame and the abandonment and the insecurity and the fear that come from living a life of sin. We all experience that. We've all experienced those things because here's the thing, you know, and I'm not going to get real theologic on you, but basically there's this concept that's called the doctrine of original sin, which basically means because Adam and Eve fell, we now have a sin nature that just goes down our line. We were built in, in some ways to, to not be sinners, but because we took that step because we rebelled. Now, because of that, every single one of us struggle with that sin. You don't believe me? I'll introduce you to a three-year-old. I've told you that before. I didn't have to explain and teach my three-year-old to obey me. Wait, did I say that right? I didn't. I didn't have... I didn't have... Well, anyway, I'm confused now. <laughs> well, I, think, I don't remember what I said. But, but basically the concept, I've talked about this before, is, is, is I had to teach him, there it is, I had to teach him to obey me. I didn't have to teach him not to. He, as wonderful as all our children are, guys, we know that there is something in them. Paul said it over, listen, I want to do what's right, but I constantly do what's wrong. And so our relationships are destroyed because of all those things. And so not only do we deal with these things, but we have to understand that sometimes where they're coming from really affects us. So the last thing, the last roadmap. So now we, we've understood that we're created for this, but we've also understood that because of things that we've dealt with and because of things that we've done, we're not good at this. We fail at this. We're bad at this. So what do we need? We need to understand our only hope. You want to have healthy relationships. You were created for healthy relationships. There is only one hope. Another question. So what's the answer? When literally at our core, we're bad at this. We're not good at this. And I want you to get this. We need to get back to the fullness of our redemption. I think there's so many Christians who don't take advantage of this. We take advantage of our redemption in the way that we are forgiven of sin, but that's it. We, we, okay, we're happy about that. That's not a bad thing, but we don't really understand and accept the fullness of it. We're going to get to that in just a second, but before, let's look at Genesis 3. In Genesis 3, 15, we see that the sin has come, the fall has come, abandonment has come. Fear has come, insecurity has come, and now God is beginning to speak out after that. Look at 3.15. This is what it says. He's speaking here to the enemy, but we know what he's really communicating. And I will make enemies of you and of the woman and of your offspring 
and her descendant. Please notice that descendant is capitalized. God here is speaking of someone, a proper individual. He, speaking of that descendant, will bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. We know what this is now. What this is, is God literally prophesying about redemption. God here is basically saying, listen, there has been fall, there has been abandonment, there is insecurity, but I am going to make a way where there is no other way. I am going to bring forth a descendant from woman who will make a difference, who will make the sacrifice. Yes, the serpent will strike him. Yes, but he'll only strike his heel. But this descendant will crush and strike the enemy's head. Look at Genesis 3.20. This is what it says. After all this has taken place, listen. Then the man Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the woman or the mother of all who lived. And look at verse 21. And the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. How does, how does one get animal skins? Animals die to get animal skins. What, what is God saying here? In this moment, God is foreshadowing something very important. You see, before, they're in their shame, they're naked, they're insecure, and God takes an animal sacrifices the animal to at least temporarily cover them, to cover their shame, to cover their guilt, to cover their insecurity. We see in the Old Testament time after time after time where animals were killed and sacrificed for that very purpose. Was it a long-term solution? No, there had to come a descendant, a descendant who would come and crush the head of the enemy. Listen, if you want healthy relationships, there's only one person who can get us to that place. There's only one individual who can heal us and bring us to that location where we'll be able to have the relationships that we were created for. But you have to understand, this is in your notes, there are really only two religions in this world. There is the religion of fig leaves and there is the religion of God's perfect provision through Jesus. Every other religion that speaks anything besides the forgiveness of sin through the sacrifice of Jesus is nothing more than putting fig leaves on your shame and on your guilt. You study them. You look at them. And I'm not trying to be mean here, but it's the same thing over and over and over again. Well, if you just did this, if you just prayed this way, if you just lived this way, then it would work. You know what that is? It's simply trying to put big leagues on when they're not going to suffice. The only thing that is going to change you, the only hope you have to have the type of relationship with God and others that he created you for is to go to Jesus and say, you know what, I'm sick and tired of the fig leaves. I'm sick and tired of trying to live a certain way to make it okay and to earn my, my way in to a relationship with you. It only comes when we understand what our hope is. Now listen, I'm not saying if you don't know Jesus, you can't have decent relationships. I'm not. But I am saying this. 
I do believe you will not have them to the fullness that God created you for until you understand who your source really is. You want to have a better relationship with your husband and wife? Listen, it doesn't, hear me here, I'm not saying this is bad. Please don't miss this. I'm not saying that, I, I do not believe it starts in marriage counseling. Do I believe in marriage counseling? Absolutely. But you know where it typically starts? As a husband and wife get on their knees together and cry out to God. That's where it begins. Is there wisdom in going to a counselor? Absolutely. But it also needs to begin with both the husband and wife getting on their knees and saying, Father, we want to have the relationship that you want us to have, and we can't do it without your help. We can't do it without allowing you to be that fulfillment in us. It starts with him. It starts with him. The final thing, because we just going to have to be real about it and understand, what do we do? Because here's the thing. A lot of relationships we have are broken. A lot of them are not what we need them to be. So here's the question. If we have failed, if we failed in our loving relationships, what does God want to do? Simple. God desires to give us forgiveness and restoration. Now, I want you to hear me here. This is deeper, and we need to get this, because I have seen so many things in my life and in my ministry that we have missed this. We have, we're, we're, listen, we're really good at forgiveness. We're not so good in restoration. I want to tell you a story. And then, we'll, and then Monica, then we'll go to Psalms and Isaiah. When I was uh, in training to become a minister and uh, the, the senior, my, right before my senior year, I went to Memphis, Tennessee and I worked as an intern uh, for a youth pastor there and spent the summer. And it was really good and great. And, and um, I went to youth camp with the kids and had a great time. And there was a young lady there. And we began to, to, to uh, I knew her obviously. She was in the youth group. And, and, and there was always just a, a kind of a sadness about her. And I couldn't quite figure out what it was. She wasn't depressed, but there was just always kind of this, 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 this standoffish, you know, not mean, but just kind of, you know. And, and, and there was a service, and, and the pastor, or not the pastor, the evangelist had, had finished speaking, and I just remember this girl being down at the front, and she's just weeping, and she's just crying. And I felt like God said, you need to go, go talk to her. And so I, I walked up, and I prayed for her, and then kind of after, kind of the service kind of went on, she began to open up. I'd been there several, mo a month or so, and she started to open up. She said, Aaron, I, I, she said, there's something wrong with me. And I said, I said well, what do you mean there's something wrong with you? And she was, I think, 14 at the time of this encounter. And she said, um, she said, Aaron, she said, um, I had sex. And I said, oh, okay. I said, well, well what happened? And not, you know, just to spare you the details, but, but basically when she was 11 years old, back room of a group get together, Three minutes, and that was it. And um, she was just she was just broken by it. And and I said, well, well, talk to me about it. what what have you done? And she said, well, she said she said, well, I've talked to Pastor So and So. And I I said, well, because I asked her, I said, well, who knows? Does anybody know? And she goes, oh yeah, everybody knows. 
I found out I was probably the last in the youth group, basically, to know. And, and I said, well, did you talk to pastor? Yeah, to your parents? Yeah, yeah. I said, well, what did they tell you? And she said, well, they told me I needed to ask for forgiveness. And I said, well, yeah, that's, that's, that's true. Have you? And she said, yeah, hundreds of times. And I remember in that moment feeling like God spoke to me and literally almost said these words, I am sick and tired of hearing, and he said her name, asking me for forgiveness. I forgave her the first time. But there's something you need to understand about sexual sin and relationships that happen, and it's quite simply this. There is a part of you that is lost in those moments. And what God spoke to me to communicate to her was simply this. You have been forgiven, but what we haven't dealt with is restoration. What we haven't dealt with is me being able to take the pieces that were lost in a back room when you were 11 years old. And because I am literally the surgeon of heaven to take those pieces and to sew them back better than they've ever been before. I'm tired of you asking for forgiveness. It's time that you ask for restoration and I can provide it. And so that's what we did. I looked at her and I said, listen, we are not praying for forgiveness. You're forgiven. But we are going to pray for his restoration. And we did. And it was literally, I I cannot explain it to you. You know, you heard the idea light bulb coming on. This was not an ideal light bulb. It was like a light in her entire being flipped on again. And she looked at me and she said, Aaron, I can feel him again. I can feel him again. I haven't felt him in so long. What did God do? It's simple. God restored what was lost. No matter what relationships you find yourself in, no matter how broken they may seem, God can not only bring forgiveness when it's necessary, but restoration as well. Look at me with look at me. Look at with me. Psalms 103. If the worship team wants to come back up, Psalms 103:12. Listen, remember this. He has removed our sins as far as from us as the east is from the west. When you've asked forgiveness, they're gone. They're moved away. They're separated from you. But there's still one more thing that God wants to do. Look at me. Look with me in Isaiah 61. We're gonna look at verse number seven and then ten. It says, Instead of shame and dishonor, you will enjoy a double portion or double share of honor. You will possess a double portion of prosperity in your land and everlasting joy will be yours. And now verse number 10. I am overwhelmed with joy in the Lord my God. This is us responding to that, that understanding. For he has dressed me with the clothing of salvation and has draped me in a robe of righteousness. I am like a bridegroom dressed for his wedding or a bride with her jewels. You see, a lot of us, we don't feel like that bride or that bridegroom. We feel like because relationship failings, maybe in, 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 a, in a sexual way or, or just in a broken way in, in, in how we've dealt with people or situations, we, we almost feel dirty. And we keep asking God to forgive us, keep asking God to help us in our relationships, maybe not only with others, but with him. And God's saying, listen, listen, yeah, you need forgiveness, 
And yeah, I'll offer it and give it liberally. But you also need restoration. You see, I believe for a lot of us this morning, relationships are hard and they're difficult and we don't want to walk in those things for a lot of reasons. And sometimes we, we kind of finally get to that last place and that's, that's our stumbling block. We've allowed things in our relational past to think that they will affect or destroy our relational future. And I've seen it time and time again where that those relationships are destroyed, whether relationships between human and human or God and human because of it. And I want to encourage you that, that listen, if you think that you can live your life without others and without God, you are literally going against how you were formed and made. You are not going to win that battle. You're just not. You were made for this. Some of you are still dealing with hurt and, and insecurities and, and disappointments and abandonment. And I'm not trying to belittle those at all. I'm just simply saying that our God who created us for these things is greater enough and big enough to deal with any issues that you have. He didn't leave Adam and Eve in that moment of fear and insecurity. The Bible says that he literally proclaims freedom for the captive in that moment and he covers them some of you just need to understand that the bottom line is, is you just need Jesus your relationships will not be what God's called them to be until you understand that basic fact and some of you you've had situations and circumstances where maybe maybe your relationships have been destroyed maybe you've they've been destroyed by others maybe you have destroyed them maybe you like this little girl or young girl many many years ago did something that they that she desperately regretted and maybe you you like her you've asked over and forgive me god forgive me god forgive me god and god just quite honestly would speak to you this morning and say i did the first time it's done it's separated as far as the east is from the west. But listen, you still need to allow me to put the pieces back together again. A lot of times, our relationships are so unhealthy because quite honestly, we're going from person to person and thing to thing trying to have somebody put the pieces back together when only God can do that. So would you close your eyes and let's Let's focus here for a second because I just want to pray with you and for you over our relationships. But before we do that, listen, I, I, I don't believe God would have placed these things here if there wasn't somebody maybe here or online, it doesn't matter which. And you just say, you know what, Aaron? There's a piece of me that's left someplace. Maybe, maybe it was you got married and, and, and the marriage fell apart and, and, and there was a divorce and, 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 and there's just a piece of you someplace else. Maybe it was a sexual sin where, 
where you acted in a way that you shouldn't have and there's just a peace. Maybe, maybe someone said something. You see, the fullness of our redemption is understanding that God paid it all. He dealt with it all. He didn't just deal with our sin. The Bible says that by his stripes were healed. It says that he experienced where the soldiers three separate times would come and mock him and say things. You know what? Jesus took every negative word that was ever spoken over you on the cross. And I could give you more. But the bottom line is, is when we accept and ex grab a hold of the fullness of that, we'll understand that he's paid it all. He's dealt with it all. He can put it all back together again if we'll let him. And so, Father, we come to you, a people that need your help. We're not good at this, and we need to get better. And God, we understand that you are the only one. We need you to put our relationships back together. First and foremost, our relationship with you back together. God, we need you to go and to grab the pieces that have been lost and scattered around and bring them back and sew them back together. Father, we need relationships between each other to be brought back and brought healing and restoration. We need to understand that we were created for this by you to win, but we need your help. And we know that you will. And so, Father, we look to you. We don't look to the right or the left or others, no matter how great they may be. Instead, we look to you. And we ask that you would just come and begin to heal, that you would begin to restore, that you would begin to help us on this race to know that we need our teammates alongside of us. We need those individuals that will come and share in this journey. Even though it may be us on the bike, there's something that you placed in us to need you and others to join in the race. We love you. We thank you. God, you're so good. God, you're so good. Thank you, Jesus. Put the pieces back together, Father. Put the pieces back together, God. You're so good. Mm. You know, I know I, I invited the worship team up and we usually close with a song, but we're, I don't think we're going to do that this morning. I think we're just going to spend a few moments here. And if John is just going to continue to play, but... You know, I just feel like God's just... And it's, it's, it's specifically somebody that's that's online right now where there is there is a relationship in your life that you feel is so unbelievably broken that literally nothing will fix it 
And I just feel like God through his Holy Spirit is just wanting to communicate to you right now that if you'll give that to God, that God will restore in a way that you cannot even dream. I don't know the relation, I don't know if it's husband, wife, or child, I parent, I, I don't know, and I don't, it, it doesn't matter. All that matters is that God is saying, if you'll give that to him right now, if you'll take all those pieces and you'll hand them to your father, he will begin a process of restoration that you literally think is impossible. But you got to bring it to him. You cannot fix this on your own. You need to let him gather the pieces together and let him bring it together. But if you'll do that, God will bring forth a restoration like you've never seen. And so I want to encourage you, give it to him. Give it to him. You've been dealing with this for a while. Give it to him and let him fix it. Let him restore it again. Thank you, Father. God, let us all do that. Let us all bring these relationships. If our relationship with you isn't what it needs to be, that, Father, we come to you and allow you to restore that which was lost. You're so good. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. We thank you. You're so good. So good. So good. Mm. Mm. Well, Father, we love you. And God, we just ask that as we come to you and bring these things throughout this morning, throughout this afternoon, just whenever, that God, you would do what only you can do. We know you will. We know you will. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. Well, thank you for being here this morning. Hope that you have a wonderful week. For those that are online, we love you. We miss you. We hope you're doing well. And listen, if you need prayer in this area, I'll be, I'll be up here on the left, up, up front. If you are online and need prayer, call me, email me, get a hold of me. Um, don't, you don't have to walk through this alone and know that we love you and we care. But again, I'll be up front. If anybody here in person this morning needs some prayer, but I'm gonna just, just ask that, that, that in this week and in this time that we would focus heavily as a family on these relationships that God's called us to, first with him and with each other, all right? Have a great week. I love you. We'll talk to you soon.